Thank you for listening to Voices of UMass Med, a podcast produced by the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Office of Communications. Welcome to the Voices of UMass Med. Marathon Monday 2019 in Boston, right around the corner, and in that sea of 30,000 runners this year, five will be toughing it out on behalf of ALS research here at UMass Medical School, running to support the UMass ALS Salucci Fund, which of course was launched by and named for former Massachusetts Governor Paul Salucci. In a moment, we're going to speak with a couple of Marathon team members from this year, and we are also so honored to be joined by Mrs. Salucci. Jan, welcome. How Thank are you. you? I'm very proud. Very proud, I know. We're a few years into these marathons, which have yielded, I think, all together over the seven or eight years, we're up to $400,000, all supporting the research here of Dr. Robert Brown. That's extraordinary. Extraordinary. This um, marathon event is a highlight for our family. We. Um, my two daughters and my four grandchildren just followed the runners so closely each year and their dad ran a couple of years ago and they learned firsthand how hard it was to train. Yeah, it's not um, how difficult. <laughs> yeah, how difficult it was to do. But it's, um, it's a program that just resonates with the many supporters that um, Paul has in New England still, and also the many people that worked in his administration are also part of the Baker Polito administration now, and in different parts of the federal government that all come back for the marathon because they know that there's some salute fund runners out there. So it's a very exciting event for us. So you all just spent some time with Dr. Brown and got an update on the research. Tell us, you know, what stood out to you and how you're feeling. Well, for me, who I've had the great luck of knowing Dr. Brown since the beginning of Paul's diagnosis, um, so for many years, what stands out is he's very understated. Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown is. And he's clearly so energized by the team of researchers and the collaborations and the different pathways that they're coming at and supporting his research that he's been doing for over 30 years. So rather than the specifics, I feed off his extraordinary enthusiasm. The minute he met Dr. Brown, he just, I mean, Paul was a very optimistic person to begin with, very hopeful, um, and he just never went down that rabbit hole of, uh, you know, there's no hope, there's no hope. And then when he got, when the disease advanced and we knew that the research that was happening here was not going to benefit him. He actually got more energized mm -hmm. to make sure that he did as much as he could for this hospital, for the research, for the ALS team, um, for advancing the knowledge in the state of the excellence that was happening here at UMass Medical. So it was a, it was a reverse kind of situation that, uh, and Dr. Brown kept us updated, you know, on all the research, and Paul had opportunities for some extraordinary clinical trials. Um, we tried everything, um, and, you know, he just felt he was part of the research continuum. And, and was that what you two sort of envisioned at the very beginning when you were deciding to establish the Salucci Fund? 
Well, Paul decided at Paul's second appointment with Dr. Brown, you know, I came in with my gazillion number of questions as a research librarian, and Paul just sort of interrupted a little bit and said, you know, Dr. Brown, you know, I'm a former governor. Um, I signed the legislation to establish this research center. Um, so if there's anything that I can do for you, if I can raise money for you, if I can do any publicity, and I'm sitting next to him going, you have got to be kidding me. In the face of his own diagnosis, right. he's thinking about how he can help. So Dr. Brown was stunned. He had to leave the room. He came back and composed himself. <laughs> I just was stunned um, and speechless, which is unusual for me. And when we got out in the car, I was like ranting, like, what are you thinking? We've finally left 35 years of public life, and now you're going back in. He goes, it's my last campaign. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Dan Leone, I want to bring you into the conversation. You are one of the five runners on the team this year. Um, how has ALS touched your family? Can you share a little bit about that? Well, ALS definitely has, uh, has touched my family. My father was diagnosed with ALS um, in 2007, and 13 months later, ALS had taken him. My father was immortal as far as I was concerned. And, uh, and, and so to have, to have that diagnosis and to know what the prognosis definitely was, was going to be um, really, really shook everyone to the core. And it, 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 it still resonates with me today. It's still, it's, it's still something that brings up a lot of emotions when I think about my dad, when I think about the suffering he, he went through. And so, um, been almost a decade, and it's still yeah. fresh. It's still fresh. And so, on Marathon Monday, when you're on that course, what's going to be going through your mind? So, my father is actually buried at the Newton Cemetery, which is literally on, on Heartbreak Hill, <laughs> and, uh, or at least parts of uh, the Newton Hills, anyways. And every time I train on that hill, I just imagine that he's at the top, just like he always was when I was growing up and cheering on the runners, just like he always did. And so I'm assuming that somewhere, you know, at least in my head, I, I'll, I'll convince myself that he's up there uh, waiting for me and sort of pulling me up the hill. Right, um, when you need it the most. <laughs> just when I definitely <laughs> will need it the most, certainly. Um, have you always been a runner? I've always been a runner. I've always, I've done hundreds of like those, you know, fun runs and 5Ks and, and things like that. I've done two Boston marathons as a bandit mm -hmm. back in the old days when oh. you could run illegally. We won't tell and, anybody, uh, don't, don't worry. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then I did the Marine Corps Marathon in DC, but none of these were uh, well thought out or well trained for anything like that. But then after my last um, marathon, I myself uh, uh, was diagnosed with a uh, an autoimmune condition that was extremely painful and uh, debilitating, essentially leaving me bedbound for about 15 years, and um, you know mostly. And um, and it was a, a very complex uh, diagnosis, and it's a very rare condition. So there was no running. The doctors told me to be grateful if I could walk a thousand steps a day. 
we were talking about amputation of my leg. We were talking about a lot of uh, things. And I was in a wheelchair for a lot of it, too. So when a small little break in that condition uh, finally manifested, I took advantage of that and started running again and seeing if I can take control of my own health in some way. And so I started running and, uh, you know, started doing the little 5Ks again. And, a half marathon, and, and now Boston. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. It's very moving. Thank you. And Julie Bodich is here with us also, another runner from the Salucci team this year. So um, why was this race, why was this an important race for you to run? So uh, I've worked at UMass for almost seven years now, and so I've seen the Salucci Fund kind of evolve. Um, I've run the 5Ks that we used to have, and um, and I always was impressed by, of course, the research that's being done here and um, and the legacy of the Salucci family. And um, for me, speaking very personal for me, last year actually on Marathon Weekend last year, I um, received a text from my father that my uncle had been formally diagnosed with ALS, and. Um, so my connection with ALS and the research here and the Salucci Fund suddenly became a lot stronger and, um, and that, that was what inspired me to uh, join the team this year as not just um, part of the fundraising team on the back end but as one of the runners. Um, my uncle passed last September and, um, and so I decided I wanted to run for him this year. And this is your first marathon. It is my first marathon. And it so how eye-opening has this been? Uh, I have a totally new respect for all marathons everywhere, mm -hmm. marathoners everywhere, and uh, particularly the Boston Marathon, um, the time of year that we train. And uh, that's not to say nothing about the hills and mm -hmm. the, um, you know, the other obstacles that New England offers. Um, so I, I've learned a lot, and um, <laughs> it's been an adventure. It's been... Um, I've definitely needed some inspiration along the way to keep me moving, and um, I'm fortunate that I'm doing it for a reason bigger than um, than myself and bigger than you know um, than setting a, a, a time or a pace or anything. So that's been the driving force for me. Mm -hmm. And Julie and Dan, I want to ask you: both of you have had the chance. Um, during this experience to talk with some of the researchers, to meet Dr. Brown, to meet some of the f folks in his lab. Um, what was that like for you? Most people will never step foot inside an ALS lab. <laughs> it was pretty inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I came here with the personal message of, 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 of having the researchers understand that there's the human element here, right? It's not just about staring at fruit flies in a microscope. It's there, there's, there are human beings involved that are impacted by the work that they do. And, and yet what I came away with was they're human beings too and, they're, and that they've got, you know, they've got a mission and that they've got something that drives them. And that's, that's really exciting and it was very inspiring. I agree. I, um, I think that um, for me, I was hoping to, to introduce, of course, our team and our runners to one another. I think we're, we're both grateful to each other um, for a variety of reasons, but um, the reality is that one thing that Jan and Dan and I have in common is that for us, for our families, the way we've been touched by ALS, 
what we have is research, what we have is the next generation, and what we have is looking to the future. Um, unfortunately, you know, the, a cure wasn't found to save the people that we love, but um, I've said this before and I'll continue saying it. Um, I believe that the answer is here at UMass. I, I'm not saying that as an employee. Um, I'm saying that as a family member of someone who suffered through ALS and, and ALS took, took him from us and um, there's no other place that I would passionately fundraise for um, than UMass because I do, I do believe that UMass will, will mm. find the cure. You're listening to Voices of UMass Med, featuring the people, ideas, and advances of the University of Massachusetts Medical School. UMassALS.com is the website for people who might be listening and want to learn more about the, the work that's going on here or the people who are involved in that work. Um, I have a question for all three of you, um, and it has to do with public awareness of ALS, because when the governor and you first announced this fund, and, and um, it was before the ice bucket challenge. It was before, so, you know, ALS were three letters that a lot of people didn't know what they meant. And so can you talk about that, Jan, and, and, and then the transformation in terms of the public awareness? Well, it was, it was fascinating. Um, the level of understanding when Paul was diagnosed was, you know, something to do with Lou Gehrig. Um, and the understanding of that it was a um, terminal diagnosis and that there was also a connection with people who were active, mm -hmm. which was particularly difficult to understand that someone, that this debilitating disease would be associated with a famous athlete. Um, Paul had been very active. He had done everything health-wise perfectly. What was really hard for us was when Pete Freitas was diagnosed. Hmm. Why? That just hit both of us so hard because this young man, Paul, graduated from Boston College and Boston College Law School. Um, Pete was on the baseball team. And then this ice bucket challenge came along. So when we saw how um, Pete and his family and his friends and Pat um, O'Brien that helped him set it up, how they would, you know, I challenge you. So the kids and Ann and Craig all did it in the backyard. It was amazing to see how Craig's sports connections just spread it out. Yeah, the ripple effect was tremendous. Right, right. It was so disheartening to see Pete's diagnosis, and but it's a... Uh, Everyone knows about ALS now. Right, you know. what a legacy, what an I impact. I know. Okay, so let's fast forward just a little bit to Marathon Monday. What's gonna be going through your heads? For me, uh, well, I'm very nervous being my first marathon. And then in terms of um, getting to the finish line, which is of course the goal, um, I'm not looking to break any records, I certainly won't. And, um, but for me, I have my aunt, um, who just lost her husband is flying in from Michigan, my Aunt Joyce, and um, her siblings are also going to join her from California and Virginia and New Jersey. Um, and, and they'll be waiting for you at the finish they line. They will be, along with my parents. And um, 
and I have lots of other friends and siblings and um, and friendly faces along the way. Jan, I know, and her grandkids will be there. We're going to be um, in Wellesley. Yes, and Dr. <laughs> Gao told us earlier to look yeah. for him as well. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, it, when I really get dejected during training or um, just exhausted uh, or maybe a little discouraged, I, I sort of just picture that um, that finish line, that moment of really just not only having accomplished it, but really just why I'm doing it and who's going to be there and what it means to them. And that, I think, has given me a, a little bit more um, energy when I needed it. A little bit of juice. Um, yeah, Dan, exactly. how about you? Well, I've uh, come to terms with the fact that I'm not going to win. <laughs> and um, yeah, Sorry, it was a slow realization. <laughs> and um, <laughs> You never know. But that's the great thing about the Boston Marathon, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, it, it matters who wins, but right. there's so Only to many, the people who win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are 30,000 great mm -hmm. stories why people are out there running. Mm -hmm. No, that's exactly it. And so, you know, at this stage of the game, even though I still have my long run to do on Saturday, um, at this stage of the game, it's a it's a head game, and it's it's trying not to psych myself out, which I'm very capable of doing, <laughs> and I've <laughs> proven that I'm able to do that a lot, and um, so uh, and that's and that's it. So it's just trying to keep level-headed during all this, not get too anxious, not start off too fast, and um, and then enjoy the ride. Right? I mean, yeah. how could you not enjoy the you know the the tens of thousands or whatever uh, screaming fans, the the scream tunnel in Wellesley. You know, my family will be on Heartbreak Hill, and so you know that's that's what's going to drive me for sure. So Dan and Julie, you uh, are two out of the five runners running for the Salucci Fund. I want to make sure that we at least give some props to the other three who weren't able to be with us today. One is. Um, Teddy Craven, he's 22, he's a senior at the University of Connecticut. He has uh, a family friend who's currently battling ALS. We also have Kate Berry of Charlton, Mass, and Michael Walpole of Hanover, Mass. Michael Walpole doesn't live in Walpole, he lives in Hanover. You can learn about support each of these runners on CrowdRise, and we are really, really grateful to the runners. I know the researchers here at UMass Medical School are equally motivated by you guys being out there running as you are motivated by what they're doing in the labs. So thanks for all your time and energy and sore feet and sore muscles <laughs> and blisters <laughs> and everything else that comes with running. We really all appreciate it. And Jan, I just want to end with you. Um, you know, you mentioned your grandkids earlier. Mm -hmm. This. The, the Salucci Family Fund might be the better name because those grandkids are really starting to, to take hold. Yes. And this is their fund as well. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yes. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, my youngest granddaughter is five and three quarters. <laughs> Very important. Very important point. And she is incredibly dedicated to her grandpa's memory and to the Salucci Fund mm -hmm. because it's something that, you know, she can think about and contribute to and it's it's an ongoing thing. She loves the State House and she loves the marathon. And then there's Frankie and Gabriel, who are 10, and um, Frankie, Francesca, and Gabriel. And then my oldest grandson, Reese, um, who was 11, of course, he had the most opportunity, you know, to spend time with Paul. And he has just, um, 
he came out and visited the lab and interacted with Dr. Brown and Dr. Gao in a way that his mother and I sat back and said, oh, thank goodness he understands what they're doing. <laughs> Reese, Reese may be following in Grandpa's footsteps, I would yeah. just say that. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Frankie and Gabriel and Lucia are, you know. Are right there, too. Uh, right there, too. But, you know, it's a, it's a unifying piece for all of us. And they were so excited about Dr. Gao because Dr. Gao was the first holder of the Governor Salucci chair in neuroscience research. And, you know, he's an incredibly exciting but humble gentleman. There was just such pride that he had in being the first holder of this chair. And, you know, it's a, both gentlemen, Dr. Brown and Dr. Gao, in how they treat people and how low key they are about their excellence are exactly in line with how Paul conducted himself through his career. So it's, you know, just a wonderful synergy in terms of personalities. Former First Lady of Massachusetts, Jan Salucci, it's so nice to see you again. Thanks for your time. You're very welcome. <laughs> and Julie and Dan, we will be thinking of you on April 15th and beyond. Thanks, for, thanks again for all your hard work. Thank, Thank you. you. So anyone listening can learn more about ALS research here at UMass Medical School. UMassALS, U-M-A-S-S-A-L-S.com is the website. Please consider supporting this year's team as well. You can find them on CrowdRise, and we'll include that link um, here with the podcast. Thank you for listening to, I'm Jennifer Berryman, Vice Chancellor for Communications at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Thank you for listening to Voices of UMass Med, a podcast produced by the Office of Communications at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Visit our website at umassmed.edu news where you can find all of our podcasts. And follow us on Facebook at UMass Med, on LinkedIn at University of Massachusetts Medical School, and on Twitter at UMass Medical.